0: You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 415. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. Human Woman, a.k.a. Not the Murderer?
0: Question mark. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, 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 We'll have to solve that by the end of the show. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, but top news for this week is a big in because the cast for the live action TV series Marvel's Hellstrom has been released. It's really cool. The ensemble cast features Tom Austin, Sidney Lemon, Elizabeth Marvell.
1: How cool is that? So
0: cool. Robert Wisdom, June Carroll, Ariana Guerra, and Elaine Uhl.
1: Also, I think it's really cool because if you check out the full article at Marvel.com, you can see that they are giving our first real look at what the show might be about. Uh, Damon Hellstrom's character is called a professor of ethics who moonlights as an exorcist. Damon has no illusions about saving a world he has no patience for. He just hopes he can f- help a few of the people closest to him in his battle against a hidden world. Damon is determined to root out demons as they arise. And... uh Will not stop until they're vanquished. It's,
0: so it's basically a story of my life. This is this is me. <laughs> this is everything I'm all about. This is what I do.
1: That's not true. If mm-hmm. a big monster came up from a pit, you would be like my best friend. Yeah, be like, We're best friends now.
0: Yeah, I would like want to uh, braid its hair and mm-hmm. like go get some ice cream and just sit and look for dogs.
1: Oh, that sounds so nice, though. Do you say so
0: hi nice. to every dog you see on the street? Oh,
1: yeah. have to. I tell and them I'm all like, they're good boys and girls.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't care about the person. Like, <laughs> It could be the most beautiful man or woman. I'm just like, your dog. Your dog is more important.
1: All dogs are perfect. It's true.
0: Uh, I really like this, though. In the article, it also says, the series will mark Marvel's first foray into terror.
1: Into yeah. terror.
0: I really like that, and is slated for debut in twenty twenty. It's going to have Damon Hellstrom and Anna Hellstrom. Uh, it's
1: it's real really a Hellstrom family affair because Anna Hellstrom is like co build there in the image. Uh, she's going to be important, and Elizabeth Marvell, She's she's their mom.
0: Yeah, Victoria Hellstrom.
1: So it's all the Hellstroms, all yeah. all Hellstrom ahead. <laughs>
0: I don't know. <laughs> uh, Caretaker is one of the characters in the in the show. If you know who that is from the comics, that's a neat thing. Uh, and there's there's lots more. It's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to this mm-hmm. uh, again. That's twenty. 20- Twenty and if you want more news, some images of the cast and uh, some quotes from the showrunner and um, Marvel Television head Jeff Loeb, they're on
1: Marvel.com. I'm so excited for this show, also because we're in October and I'm feeling all the Halloween vibes. I've got my PSLs and my Ugg boots and I'm ready to go. What is a PSL? A pumpkin spiced latte. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, baby, I'm basic and I'm ready to go apple picking. I love apple picking. Actually, I don't like manual labor that I have to pay for, but... But it's fun. I love it's the concept. <laughs> uh,
0: we've got some other stuff this episode. If you're just joining us on This Week of Marvel, uh, of course, we have news and stuff that we're psyched about, uh, stuff that we're hyped about. We are going to do an interview a little bit later. We have a little bit of a big talk where we dive into something in small, medium, and large doses, depending on the week. This week, it's a uh, medium to small dose because we just survived New York Comic Con.
1: Yeah, seriously, y'all. We, we lived. Be happy with that. And our voices are back. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so it's it's a wild week here. Our big talk um, should be cool. Uh, I'm gonna put some Vaseline.
1: What, what do you put in your your eyes to make them? Don't tear? put Vaseline in your no? eyes. No, is that not gonna work? Visine is yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I could, said. Oh, right. uh, Vaseline but, is made of oil. Do not put it in your eye. A disclaimer.
0: <laughs> um, next week. You will not be here.
1: I won't. I'm going on my honeymoon. I'm going away. I'll be sending you glad thoughts from Japan as I Mario Kart through Tokyo. Oh my gosh.
0: And hopefully, I got to keep poking James. Emailed him, and uh, he's just a busy boy. Hoping to get him in here. If not, special guest stars coming soon. Uh, before we get into hype our interview, as I mentioned, uh it will be with Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman talking about absolute carnage and working together. Those sweet boys, uh we just put them through like The Ringer here, where they were on Marvel Live with me and Angelique Rocher. Uh, and so they were a little tired, but they were good. They were great.
1: Good boys. Yeah.
0: And our big talk will be about what, Lorraine?
1: Um, I I was feeling the feels and I thought, let's do our favorite make you cry issues. Great. So the issues that'll give you
0: issues. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. But first, things that we're hyped about this week, comma, including news.
1: We missed an announcement of a new Marvel Legends figure from Hasbro. Fui fui fui. Here it is, Bubby. Yeah.
0: So our hype section this uh, this week is pretty short because. We delivered so much news during New York Comic Con. Hope you checked out the four bonus episodes we did with lots of news, and uh, we did our history episode on the last one. So there's plenty in there. Uh, But this one, yeah, there's some really cool... Marvel Legends figures announced from Hasbro including Stanley which is a Target exclusive Marvel Legend figure uh that's going to be available in spring 2020.
1: He looks so great.
0: Yeah, he comes with a chessboard like uh he had he was playing chess in I believe it was Marvel's Avengers the first mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. film he was yep. cameo in that. And then he comes with a shield, Captain America shield with a Stanley signature. Aww.
1: That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. Also coming in spring, an entire wave dedicated to the Fantastic Four. Mr. Fantastic comes with stretchy fingers and alternate hands. Invisible Woman has a shield, her like invisible shield situation. A human torch with his fire accessories, along with a classic take on Doctor Doom that includes a gun, hands and an alternate head. Like all Dooms. Should have.
0: Yeah, I have a great Doom figure from it was the Marvel Universe line from a couple years ago. Mm-mm-mm. A little bit smaller. Um, I'll take any chance to get a Doom figure, especially when you when Doom has a gun. Like I've always loved the idea of one of the most powerful magicians, scientists, <laughs> brilliant minds, and still uh, like
1: a gun. Very yeah, efficient. He's got
0: a, That gun is devastating it's so good I love
1: it it's not like that mind swapping gun D- do you remember that there's there's this weird piece of technology and if you go forehead to forehead you put like basically like a weird suction cup that goes into like a box and you do like a mind fight and whoever has the strongest brain wins and the other person dun 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 dies did you just make this up I swear to all the people in Japan that I'm gonna visit soon it's real wow I did not know. Uh, and then
0: one more set later in 2020, The Merc with a Mouth will headline a line of figures all his own in addition to the blue and gold wannabe X-Men costume that Deadpool wore briefly. It's going to have a sunspot, and Warpath figures will be in the line. Um, I was talking to someone who's working on one of our Marvel TV shows. He is a huge New Mutants fan, so this he's like, I guess i got to get this sunspot figure. And Warpath is just so cool. He's a big boy.
1: Yeah, I really love these Marvel Legends figures because they're so... Many of them that exist in the comic canon that you just like don't ever see figures of, but they're in the Marvel Legend line, which I think is really cool.
0: Do we have a pace pot Pete figure? Is the real question. Because if we don't, pace
1: pot Pete, pace Pace pot Pot Pete, pace pot Pot Pete. Pete. Why does he exist? Nobody knows.
0: Because he's a great idea. He's the '60s were weird.
1: The '60s are so weird, and I thank them for their service.
0: Yes. Uh, Next, we have this week in Marvel history. History. Yeah, where we dive through all kinds of uh, news of. Character appearances, important issues, births, deaths, all that kind of stuff across our 80 years and beyond. Uh, We are looking at the week of October 11th through October 17th. Lorraine, you want to kick us off?
1: I do. All right, October 11th to October 17th. We're starting with October 15th of 1951 with Battle Action Number 1, which launches an enduring war comic by Marvel that ran for 30 issues and lasted until 1957, which is six years. That's math. That's a long run. Yeah, that was a good run. Uh, October 12th, 1965, after appearing briefly at the end of the previous issue, Black Bolt makes his first full appearance in Fantastic Four number 46 by Stanley and Jack Kirby. A good chunk of that issue is big old whopping battle with the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans. It's what Ryan would call a... Slobber knocker.
0: There it is. That's a wrestling term. Jim Ross would say it.
1: I think that's also like a football thing. Or no, it's like a snot something. I don't know. You tell me. When, When you get hit in the face so hard that all the snot flies out of your face... Uh, that's one of the things. I don't know what it's called. At me. Let me know.
0: All right. October 15, 1968. The original Guardians of the Galaxy, Charlie 27, Martin X, Major, Vance, Astro, and Yandu debut and come together in Marvel Superheroes number 18 to battle the greatest evil of the year, 3007, the Badoon. Uh, they're like these weird. They are bad. They're very bad. Oh, man. You're on it, Lorraine. <laughs> uh, they, they're they like these weirdo lizard. um creepy alien people. boys. Yeah, and they they conquer at this point in the Marvel universe, they've conquered most of the universe. It's wild.
1: Yeah, they're like the Alexander Great of uh, of the spaces.
0: Yes, but not great. At but
1: all. not I mean, well, I, he probably wasn't I don't know if great. Alexander was very great either. I mean, he was great in what he conquered, but not very great to people. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Badoon, they're, they're all about uh, enslaving races. It's terrible. Yep. Um, anyway, this issue is a cool sci-fi story about rebellion, empires, aliens, and action, and is written by Arnold Drake with art by Gene Colan.
1: Hey, Ryan, I know you're going to like this one. October 14th, 1969. Nice. Stanley and Jack Kirby introduce Agatha Harkness and her cat, Ebony, in Fantastic Four number 94. She's tasked by Reed and Sue to watch over the young baby Franklin Richards and proves her mettle as a powerful witch and protector after taking down the Frightful Fort using her magics. But, um... She later gets real famous for being the mentor to Scarlet Witch and messing up her reality. The end. Yeah, yeah. so I
0: read every issue we talk about when we do these things. <laughs> uh-huh. This is maybe my favorite issue of this, or one of my favorite issues of this, like round of history. Mm-hmm. So good. Kirby's art is so fantastic at this point. Like ninety-four issues into fantastic, almost like ninety-seven or eight with the annuals. But like so deep into FF, his Agatha Harkness is. So cool and creepy, Mm -hmm. but like she's got this wry look on her face the entire time. The cat is awesome. Uh, The big creepy house is bananas. It is a fantastic issue, pun intended. Uh, October 13th, 1970, Avengers number 83 is the first appearance of Valkyrie. I think we talked about this previously, Mm -mm. uh, but I think I had the date wrong. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, it's kind of the first appearance of Valkyrie. It's not really Val as we know her, but the Enchantress pretending to be Valkyrie because she'd messed with Brunhild, the leader of the Valkyrie. Valkyrie's body and essence are combined with various women for a while. Uh, I don't believe we actually see Brunhild as Valkyrie until the early days of the Defenders, which is a few years later. Uh, but it all kind of starts here.
1: It's really interesting because Valkyrie is so many weird iterations of Valkyrie where she's like meshed with other people and the Enchantress essentially tricked her. And so she was enslaved for most of her early years. And yeah. the Enchantress was just like, like, I'm going to use the Valkyrie now to pop out and be like, hey, it's me. Let's fight dudes. Yeah. I of kinda- pretty accurate. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. October 14th, 1975, Star-Lord spelled Star-Lord without the dash. Hate uh, it. At first, Spider-Man's like that, too, and it makes me I know. feel sick.
0: There's another issue this week that we're going to talk about. It. Same thing. Get it together, everybody.
1: Get your dash or die. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, he first appeared in Marvel Preview number four, one of Marvel's black and white anthology magazines from the 1970s by Steve Englehart and Steve Gann. They're just doing their thing. Yeah. That's
0: cool. It's a very long story. It's it's,
1: it's a a lot lot of those black and whites are so long. Like they introduce um, daughters of the dragon in one of those, Mm -hmm. and it's just the longest, wildest story. They literally go to, like, Hong Kong in the middle. <laughs>
0: sure. Great. Why not? Big fan. October 12th, 1976, Marvel Spotlight number 32 by Archie Goodwin, legend. Sal Busema, legend. And Jim Mooney introduces Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Jessica Drew. She's introduced as Arachne, an agent of Hydra who's infiltrating a shield base to rescue her Hydra lover. But over the course of the story, she learns how Hydra manipulated her, how her bow is just like, I don't want to touch you. He literally is like, no. please don't touch me.
1: I know it's so sad because she's like, "I love you," and he's like, "You gross me out. I hate having to do this." Yeah,
0: it, it was. I was reading. I was like, "Oh man, it's messed up." So messed up. And then you get, we get into some of her origins. Uh, that is a lot of it is through genetic manipulation by the high evolutionary, mm-hmm. and that tale is like exploded once you like start digging into it and it, oh,
1: the yeah. way they
0: like form it over the years. I was like,
1: "What the hell?" Well, and I think it's so interesting because nobody thinks of this anymore. I know I don't, at least. But the Spider Woman costume is a Hydra costume Mm. that has been modified uh, and turned red instead of green. But if you look at her next to a Hydra agent, you're like, oh, you're wearing a Hydra outfit because it was made special for her by Hydra to help her use her stuff.
0: Yeah. It's like covers her hair in the first uh, appearance and everything.
1: And then she's like, I'm going to gambit this sucker. And she opens it up and gets her hair out. It's a
0: hair window. Who said that? Langston said that? Yeah, a hair window. Comic-Con was very good. I like that. Uh, October 17th, 1978, Chris Claremont and John Byrne introduced one of the deadliest and scariest mutants in X-Men history, Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. Bwah,
1: bwah, bwah. He's a shadow. He's a king. He's got a fez. What fun.
0: Yeah, he's a big boy with a little fez. It's great. Uh, it's a story recounting some of Professor Xavier's backstory. Uh, Farouk was the first evil mutant that Xavier faced and saw the two powerful psychics battle to the death on the astral plane. I don't like his teeth. I don't like his anything. He's a nightmare.
1: Yeah, he real. He literally is a nightmare.
0: Yeah, it's it's awful. Such a cool idea. Great design. Like the, the Amal Farouk human part of him... Uh, there's no other character that looks like him. Yeah. And then when you get into the, the astral plane, he starts, like, changing forms, and he's, like, a n- big, scary monster, and he's a dragon. He's, like, all he's these a, different things. a literal nightmare. Yeah. He's a creepy boy. Do not like. Uh, October 14th, 1980, Denny O'Neill, John Romito Jr., Jim Mooney, and crew introduce Hydro Man in Amazing Spider-Man number 212. Uh, this is another one of those. He's got a hyphen on the cover. Inside, no hyphen. Get it together, everybody.
1: Brian uh, is passionate about grammar.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big hyphen guy. Give me that dash. Uh, so, this is his name is Maury Bench. Later, he would be commonly known as Morris Bench, not Maury, but here he's uh, called Maury Bench. He's a big, beefy boy working on a ship, uh, and he's accidentally sent overboard when Spider Man springs into action to save the day. Uh, but Spider Man like, actually knocks him over the side of the ship. By, it's an accident, but come on, man. Watch what you're doing, Spidey.
1: Um, have we ever had a Hydro Man story called Tuesdays with Mori? A conversation.
0: Ooh, I don't know. You need to write that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in this story, when Spidey knocks Mori into the water, there's a machine that's going haywire in the ocean, and then bingo, bingo, Mori transforms into a Hydro Man.
1: Although, if Spider-Man turned me into a water lady... I'd be pissed. I would come for him, too. I'd be like, Spider-Man, we're going to have some words about the fact that you turned me into water.
0: Yeah. and Like, Spidey beats him by making him run through some clothing. So he, like. Make,
1: yeah, he absorbs him. He, he, he gets, gets absorbed, him absorbed by
0: all these different things. And, like, eventually he, like, dissipates into the air. And Spider-Man's like, good luck, Maury. He literally says, good luck. And like to like this mist You're and the, a
1: cloud now. Yeah.
0: And then the the captions like there's a rain falling on the city. Will it be the end? It's real weird. Uh October eleventh, nineteen eighty three, the Avengers meet David Letterman and battle the frightening and furious Fabian Stankovitz. Uh, In Avengers number 239, Fabian's a dude who just wants to be evil and famous, and he builds some gimmicks to mess with the Avengers while they're on uh, The Late Show with David Letterman. It is a wacky, weird, and super fun issue, co-starring late-night legends uh, Letterman and Paul Schaefer. It's also part of uh, Marvel's Assistant Editor's Month, which meant that the books were just a little bit weirder and esoteric and that the creative teams take some more chances. Uh, recently, I think the, the kid who clock Spider-Man is from Assistant mm, Editor's I Month. I didn't know that. I believe so. Um, yeah, really cool. All right. October 13th, 2004, Angelo Fortunato becomes Venom after his father buys the symbiote from Eddie Brock in Marvel Knight Spider-Man number six. It goes horribly wrong. For everybody, it is a uh, like a real quick gross issue. This is part of the uh, Mark Miller Marvel Knights Spider-Man run uh, with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. Nice. Um, yeah, it's real cool. This uh, Angelo Fortunato story was referenced really briefly in um, one of the Absolute Carnage books uh, oh. that, that just came out. I, I read them all, and I can't remember which one it is. But there's w- a
1: lot of crossovers and tie-ins and yeah. things.
0: Uh, but it was it was just cool to see that they did touch on this and that this was part of things um yeah it's really
1: neat hey ryan what are the top books from this week's episode of marvel's pull list colon?
0: well i'll tell you lorraine they are dr doom number one gwenpool strikes back number three journey to star wars colon the rise of skywalker dash allegiance number one and powers of 10 number six that's a lot of good books That's right there. That's a lot
1: of big boys. You guys should subscribe to Marvel's pull list and uh, listen to it because it's a good time. They tell you about all the books and then they pick their favorites. It's fun. And you can watch uh, videos on Marvel.com because apparently they are filming an independent film.
0: Yeah, we're, uh, we're getting funding from Dr. Movie Man and uh, Lord Hollywood. And we're going to make more features.
1: I'm going to read the... the, Is this the new West Coast Avengers?
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, All right, it is time for our big talk. Lorraine, hit us. What are we talking about?
1: All right, these are the issues that make you feel sad. They make you cry. They pull the water out of your face and onto the page. Aw. So uh, we pick... Uh, some different genres of comics from our amazing, amazing 80 years. And then we talk about why we like them. Uh, this week's category, as I said, Water from the Face. Um, I was extremely tempted to choose the iconic issue that we were mentioning earlier, The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man. Do you want to tell us why that one is important? Absolutely. Um, so The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man is this issue that seems fairly innocuous it's just this really sweet issue of Spider-Man spending quality time with a sick kid. And at the very end, we find out that he is dying. With the,
0: like, you don't know it's a sick kid until the end. Yeah. Like, you, he, you you just find out the the kid, like, is Spidey's biggest fan. And then he's like, I just want to know, who are you? And Spidey, like, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a great beat where he pauses. And then he takes off his mask. He's like, my name's Peter Parker. And it's like this beautiful moment and the kid's so happy and spidey's like all right i gotta go i gotta save the world and all this other stuff and then he swings out and he stops and you see that it's this leukemia center and spidey is standing there and he's just he's done he's like defeated because he there's nothing he can't there's nothing for him to punch there's nothing that he can do other than try to give this boy that moment of of happiness And uh, it's so sad and so touching.
1: It's such a beautiful story. The whole thing is just will wreck your heart. Um, But I ultimately went with Ultimate Fallout number one through two after the death of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Peter Parker before we introduced Miles Morales. But basically, Peter Parker dies fighting off the Green Goblin. There's that iconic Mary Jane is like holding him. And in this issue, Aunt May... Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane go to his funeral and they have the funeral at St. Peter's, which is an iconic cathedral in New York City. It looks like the real St. Peter's. And there are all of these crowds. All of these New Yorkers have turned out to be there for the funeral. And Aunt May is walking through the crowd and there's a little girl and she's like, Are you Spider Man's mom? And she said, no, I'm his aunt, but I raised him. And she's like, so you're his mom. And then she shares this beautiful moment about every time I read this, it makes me get choked up. Um, I'm
0: like the, I, the, the page is in my head right now.
1: It's so much. Um, but she basically says that she was in a fire and Spider-Man saved her life. And, and then she says, can I hug you? And everyone's just standing around at the funeral. And she's just this little girl is hugging her. And Wrecked every single time. Oh,
0: man. Uh, Those are both – like, those are the best. The best. Those are so good. Uh, I wanted to choose Exiles, an issue of Exiles, Mm. number 16 from the original run that began in 2001. So this issue probably came out in 2002 – it's by Judd Winnick and Jim Calafuri. So the Exiles was a team that had hopped around from reality to reality and the the team itself was relatively transient. Like characters would come and go because they would either die or they would they would finish their part of the mission, but the core team had Blink, it had uh, Morph and it had a uh, a version of John Proudstar, one of, you know, the X-Men and uh, the character named Nocturne, who was daughter of Nightcrawler and Scarlet Witch in another universe. But over the course of their story, Nocturne and John had gotten really, really close. John had become, I think he was, I think he was war, uh, the Horseman of Apocalypse. He had been changed into just an instrument of destruction, but he was a gentle soul. He's this really sweet guy. Nocturne and John had become very close. They'd you know, basically fallen in love over the course of their story. And in one reality, they had to fight Galactus over the story. They were able to beat Galactus. But John, it was basically John sacrificing his life for for everyone. And so 16 is the aftermath of that issue where he's he dies and it opens with her like on as he's passing away, just like screaming and crying. Uh, about this, him. Yeah. And it's it's so good. It's so devastating. A lot of it is silent. And then you get Morph coming in who's trying to cheer her up after the fact. And she's in mourning. Um, I believe she was pregnant with oh. their child at the time. And it's just this like devastating thing. But Exiles is one of my favorite runs of any comic of all time. It is so wonderful. And this is part of that reason because you could hit those moments of like really funny, really quirky, wild time travel and alternate realities and all this stuff. And then just the intense human emotions uh, and, and that kind of stuff. Oh, man!
1: Oh, all right. Enough tragedy for today. You chose this topic. I know. You
0: did this to us. I know.
1: I love a good cry. Yeah. Love a good cry.
0: Oh, man. Uh, those are just some of ours. There are, of course, plenty more uh, that we can get into. I mean- um, Captain Marvel, Marvel. Oh yeah, I re- recently reread that, and like, we all know someone who's fought cancer. Probably someone who's mm-hmm. you know lost to cancer. The quiet moments at the end, where he's surrounded by his friends and family, and it's like just these quiet. the the, the art The art is so good. The coloring, the lighting, everything about it is so muted and sad. And then he passes away. And then he goes off with death, and that crushes me every time. And there's a, I think next week, um, History of the Marvel Universe, issue four or five comes out, and that is, uh, there's a, you know, that's part of the history of that issue. And Javier Rodriguez does it in one third of a page, and it is so, like, it hit me. I had to put the issue down when I was reading it because it was just so well done of retelling it, and he does it in such a small sliver, mm-hmm. and he gets that emotion and gets all that.
1: Well, here's a here's an uplifting one to kind of let let go of this sad topic with. Please. Um, Marvel Comics 1000. We talked to Brad Meltzer uh, just a couple weeks ago here on the podcast, but he wrote this beautiful story That is basically Spider-Man saves this this woman. She is pregnant. And she was like, I want to name my baby after you. And he said, I can't. I shouldn't tell you my name. And she's like, just tell me your name. Tell me your name. And finally, he says, my name is Ben. And then there is this beautiful moment where you see these little flashes of this little boy's life with everybody calling him Ben. And just talking about it right now gets me so choked up of like the beautiful things that happen in this kid's life and the tribute that it is to his uncle Ben. It's so beautiful. Uh,
0: How many children are named Ben because of that? Because like that's Mm -hmm. the kicker at the end there. There's another in 1000 with Spider-Man where he's going to visit uh, Uncle Ben. Mm. And he's like at the grave. And then um, Mary Jane comes to pick him up. Spider-Man, real good for sad stuff.
1: Well, you know, I think it's interesting because Spider-Man is such a funny character and such a lighthearted character that you kind of can't help but like throw tragedy at him. Because, yeah, it's so equalizing like the, you know, iconic death of Gwen Stacy. If you read the death of her father, uh, of Captain Stacy, and then you read the next issue like of Gwen Stacy, you will cry because all he says is like, as he's dying, take care of my daughter. And then like a few issues later, we got a bridge. Yeah. But you know, I like, we like, we have a lot of fun talking about the big fights and like the crazy costumes and all the stuff that has happened. But that is the thing I think that sets Marvel apart in so many ways is that the drama is so earned and, and part of Stan's legacy is that the stories are real human stories and that you can really commiserate with and empathize with the, the idea of having to fight your own child to save the world. I mean, high stakes, but a very human feeling, you know? Yeah, 100%. Oh, well, cool. Hopefully uh, everybody's in good spirits now. Yay! Get out your tissues, blow your nose, and suck it up. We got more to do.
0: That's right, Lorraine. Uh, because we're going to have an interview coming up in a second. But of course, since we talked about our saddest moments, the moments that make you cry in Marvel Comics, that leads us to our question of the week. What are your favorite sad moments in Marvel Comics history? Yeah. We talked about ours. Tell us yours. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com or hit us up on the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash This Week in
1: Marvel. But for now, listen to this uh, nice boy Donnie Cates and uh, this other nice boy Ryan Steggs.
0: I like to say bad boy Ryan Stegman. Is he not a bad boy? No, he's yeah. a, he's
1: pretty nice for a bad boy. He
0: really is very. He's a sweet boy.
1: Yeah, he's a sweet boy.
0: Yeah, the two of them are great. Uh, we you know we talked to them about Absolute Carnage working together. I'll uh, plug a little bit of Ryan's podcast, which now has competition from Chip Zdarsky. Who oh, has I his saw that. Oh man, that. these guys. It is. Nuts. Uh, enjoy this interview with Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, creators of Absolute Carnage. Hi, Donnie. Hey, buddy. Hi, Ryan. Hi. How are you guys?
2: Tired. Tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> synchronized but unscripted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we just did Marvel Live. Thank you guys for doing that one. Yeah, yeah. that was really fun, man. Yeah. Uh, fans love it. Like, they, they absolutely. Love hey, you did Absolute it. Carnage. And I think the last time you were on the show, we may have mentioned the name Absolute Carnage. Like in real brief passing yep. yeah. or something. Real like we like just slid it in there. Yes. But now we're we're right in the middle of it. You guys have to literally find some time while you're here in New York to work on issues. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um and so how does it feel to have issues now out in the world?
3: It is such a relief, yeah. honestly, is the biggest thing because you know, normally you don't really have when you're making a normal sized issue of just a you know a Venom or a Guardians or you know just an issue that comes out, it you don't really have time. It goes so fast to really think about it because I write it, I turn it in, I'm off to write the next thing. Yeah. Ryan's drawing it. This one we've been working on for six months, and so you have the most time to sit around and worry about is this good? Because people who don't make comics maybe don't know this. I'm sure everyone is the exact same way that you lose all objectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it came out and everyone hated it. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And if they said, I love it, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense too. I have absolutely no idea if it's good or not. So it's out, and people seem to dig it, and it's just, whew, you know, we can finally, like, sit back and be like, okay, we didn't mess it up, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, to work on something that long, it's just strange to finally have it out. But it's it's really a relief, I guess. And it's the the way that people have reacted has been incredible. So Donnie, Donnie almost... Uh, lost it the night before it came I out, did. but I was, How calling, so?
3: I was just calling Ryan freaking out. I was just like, dude, I don't Is think it's good? good. I was like, Is I don't it think bad? it's good, dude. I don't think it's good. I don't <laughs> think it's good. I think we screwed it up, you know? But I do that, but I was like that with Venom number one, too. I'm like that with everything. Every, every book I do, I, I love the writing process, and like, you know, you've been in the room with The Summit. I love to pitch. I love to get feedback, but then I'm like super confident about my abilities right up until like the week of release date. I'm like, actually, in hindsight... I'm bad at this, and this is gonna be terrible. You, you know, like it's just, it's just nerves.
0: I, I get it. I, I think it's almost it's good to hear, like you know, because you don't want someone like Ryan Stegman whose ego is right. just so big. No, I mean,
3: I am. I, well, the thing is, is I am the best writer in comics, and so it does make everything a lot harder because I have to keep that up. You
2: know what I'm saying? It, it was easy to do a great book with the two best creators in right, comics. Right, right. You know? I realize now <laughs> on a podcast you can't that can, see that I'm yeah. doing
3: a, a devilish little smirk so yeah. you, to indicate that I'm kidding. Yes. We did a podcast a while back where, um, I, I, was it you and me doing it, where I said that there's, there's no other team in comics who is quite like Ryan and I. And I said, I mean, you have Tom King and Mitch, but who cares? And when I listened to the podcast, I was like, oh, you for sure can't tell I'm kidding when I said that. So I love you, Tom, and I love you, Mitch, and you guys are killing it. And I I guess, like, let's compare Eisner's because you guys win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For now. Jerks. For
3: now. Yeah, for now. Uh,
0: The first issue of Absolute Carnage is like 60 pages long. Totally, yeah. Whose idea was that?
3: not mine david gabriel <laughs>
0: <laughs> david gabriel who is the head of like marketing marketing sales, and sales
3: yeah i mean here's the thing we, we we had the material for it i think that that probably came out of the summit when i i told everybody like the the size of this thing and the scope of it um and so i think everyone in editorial knew that it was there that we had that much story you know but yeah they they kind of told me it was going to be three issues of content and pacing out a story when you're so used to writing 20 pages and the occasional 30, doing 60 is just, it's, it's really, really a challenge to not make it sag in the middle, you know? Um, so that was the choice that Ryan and I had to break it up into those cool, like three chapters, which ended up being really cool, style as uh, like the, the, the style of those like chapter breaks it mm-hmm. ended up being really cool. It really added yeah, the to designer the designer did a great job. The horror feel of it mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah, and with the and, Bleeding King, which you know, is like
0: title, the names of the titles, yeah. The, chapters. the
3: Bleeding King is yeah. chapter one, chapter two, the Godson, chapter three, the Long Red Dark.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love the episode. This, I love the issue. Um, something we talked about, Donnie, you and I, when we were talking with Devin Lewis, the editor, sure. I asked a question of how did the story, how did the book change based on conversations you and Devin had? And I want to ask that question here between the two of you how did this. Start to change as you were talking it through Mm -hmm. and your ideas start flowing.
3: Oh, God. I mean, that's what Ryan and I were doing last night until like 2 in the the morning. I mean, whenever Ryan and I talk about or whenever we hang out or on the phone or anything, this is kind of all we talk about. Like we live and breathe this stuff. Um, and so it is just kind of like two goofball friends getting to like play with all the big characters. Yeah, it, it just
2: actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It just it, it, it then is then canon, right? right? And so we just like <laughs> like this entire time that we've been in the city, we just like walk around the city and come up with cool ideas for it. And you know, it's really cool having Ryan to bounce ideas off of because Ryan can just come back and think about things visually and like because like there's like a big scene in in issue four that I'm writing right now that we. On the way, uh, on the train, we just we beat the entire thing thing out because it's a big, crazy action scene and stuff. And we can't with some really awesome stuff. So I don't know that it's it, it like plot wise, it hasn't really
2: changed at all since we talked about it like two years ago. Um, it changed from the first night I remember when we came out for the summit, and you were like, "I don't know what I'm gonna do." <laughs> yeah,
3: no, it was better than that because we you had never been to one of our like writing right. summits and you were like, so like because the summit was the next day and we, we we were out like um having uh dinner and he was like, so do you want to talk me through like absolute carnage before we go into the room? And I was like, oh, I don't have it. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know what happens in that book.
2: And he was like, what do you mean? And I you I was know, like, everything that happens in, in, in no, the- he had major. Beats. I had the major oh. beats like, of it but I was I like could rearrange this and, and I was yeah, like it made was, me so nervous because I was like you don't know like exactly yeah what's I know happen. like
3: the beginning and the end and, the, and like the changes that came out of it but if you were like what what happens in issue three I'd be like ah, I don't know you know
0: I, mean, I, I didn't have it beat out like like that right well and to so, give context I, I don't mean to interrupt but to give context that what how long ago is this
3: Oh, this was January, the, January of the, of this year. Of this year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and so we got in the room and we just we, like by the end of the first
2: day, we kind of had it all nailed down. Yeah, it was really was, cool to see. How th- I, that's the first time I've seen that, and I learned a lot about the process. Yeah, and Ryan was just like, "So you guys just like make it up, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> and yeah." It's like there's some sort of magic <laughs> yeah. that I didn't know about, but then yeah. you're like, "Oh, it's just I mean, figuring it out."
0: There is a magic to it because, yeah. like, as someone who just observes and watches everything watching you like getting ready to pounce on an idea and yeah, then right. Dan Slott is over there right. and he's like well how about this and he like yeah. you know he comes up and you have, and you have Kurt Music in the in the background being like well and he puts yeah. something forward and then, and then
3: Jason you, doesn't talk for four hours and says one thing and it's the best idea yeah. you've ever heard in your life and Tom Brevoort
0: <laughs> like you know like gets yeah. ready and he charges in like a bowl yeah. and it all breaks. It's up. It's so much fun. It's great.
3: It really there is yeah. a magic to it. Yeah. The summits are my. I, I look forward to them all year. Is my. I, my number one thing to do in life is to break story. It's my favorite thing. And so getting to do it with Ryan all the time is is so much fun because he's also an endless like uh, font of ideas. The same way that that kind of everyone is on the book from right. like Devin to JP to Frank. Yeah. Our entire our entire team is 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 um they're telling stories as they ink it and as they like i mean frank's such a painter and like if you've read absolute carnage number one you know how like just drenched in red it gets as the book goes along as the book gets scarier like frank is just telling this great story as it mm-hmm. goes along so it's it's great i mean it's the best uh it's the best team in comics for sure the best and,
2: comic in comics that's right Shots
3: fired. That's good. (laughs) Hashtag shots fired.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I I was thinking about it, and the way I've viewed the way you approach your work reminds me of Jeff Loeb and Brian Michael Bendis in the sense that you are working with the artists who are best suited for your vision, Mm -hmm. and then it becomes their vision. Totally. And so when the two of you together work so well, you and Jeff work so well together. And like having that symbiosis... I, I never want to see those end. It's like Absolutely. when you get a, a Jeff Loeb Tim Sale book, it's like, oh, everything move out of the way. Yeah. I want to dive into this. I yeah. know when I, you guys are together, I want to dive into that. And I think was that a conscious choice of like, you know, making sure you guys stay together. Doing these projects, you and Jeff and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Ryan and I have have just decided. I mean, we hit it off like this the first time we ever talked about the book. Right. And like as the book has gone on, we've just we make each other better. And we've just decided that we're just we're just not going to work with anybody else. Yeah, my this happened
2: at dinner the other night. My wife said, "So are you guys just going to work together forever?" And we were like i think so yeah Yeah. why why wouldn't (laughs) why not why not yeah when it works it works right
3: yeah i mean and and after after we leave venom like the next thing that the next big marvel thing that we do will be ryan and i Mm -hmm. you know we already know what it is i you know it's not really much of a conscious choice like when i'm like um uh like talking to editors and stuff it's just that like that part to me i'm not i'm not really a guy who has much of a rear view mirror like when When a book comes out, I don't like look at it or like I don't really like celebrate when my books come out or anything because to me making comics and the process that I love the most is like what Ryan and I were doing last night, hanging out, breaking story. Mm -hmm. And like I get to make comics with my friends and I think that the audience can always tell that a creative team is having fun together. I think that that's what a lot of people are responding to with mm-hmm. with Ryan and I on on this book is that we are both such um, cheerleaders for the book, and you know so is Devin and so is JP and so is Frank, and you can just tell that we're all just having a blast, yeah. and that's what I love more so than any sort of branding or or, or sales based anything. I don't really right. care about that kind of stuff. I just I, I want to have fun with my friends and making comics. Yeah, you know.
0: And I, I think about the the cheerleader aspect and the collaboration aspect and. I think there's the page in here, in Absolute Carnage number one, uh, that, Ryan, you pointed out to me, that page of Norman thinking he's Cletus, Ugh. and he's, like, towering yeah, over Peter, so and Peter's good. terrified, and I like I can only imagine, you, you've you written this, Donnie, and then you get that page in, and you're like, this is so much more than I Well, let me tell imagined. you,
3: what actually happened was that Ryan texted me that page with the text... This is an all-timer. Yeah, <laughs> like, which it I, is. It, it is. It absolutely is. Like I, I know when Ryan is really proud of a thing is he texts it to me first and he goes, "This page is a banger, dude." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right, dude. It is. That page is crazy good." Oh my good. gosh, I was thinking it's, about
2: that one for so long before I drew it yeah. because I was so excited to get to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's the moment in the book where like
3: you get to the, um, there's no way out. Like mm-hmm. in front of them is carnage and this army, and now and now you know behind them is kind of also carnage, and there's literally no way out of it. I think it I think that moment is the scariest moment of that entire issue and uh, and Ryan just crushed it. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's so scary. I want it as a poster. You we know. should. We should have made that into a, a, a reprint. yeah fifth variant. Oh fifth my printing? god! Well, I yeah. mean,
0: we sold we sold so many copies that we sold the most. Well, it's the highest selling issue of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of that, want to make a quick plug. Hashtag Carnage rules. That's right. Uh, there are twenty copies of Absolute Carnage number no. one first printings. That have a Mark Bagley original sketch in them. He drew twenty different pictures yeah. in twenty different issues. We blindly sent them out. No, we don't know where they went. We yeah. don't know who has them, but we want to see them. Yeah, I want to see. I know you guys want to see them because we've not actually yeah. seen those Bagley sketches.
3: It's this is a real thing. because yeah. like Ryan and I joke around a lot about about stuff like this, but this is a real thing that is yeah. actually out there. There's 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 five. 20, I mean, 20, 20. 20 like real drawings that Bagley one of the golden the, tickets the Venom Masters mm-hmm. um, that he actually drew in the back of them and they're somewhere yeah you know what's going to happen is people are just going to go and get the issue and go get Bagley to draw the, some sketches. you have there's a special
0: page not in every copy oh really so it's only in certain in these twenty copies have this. B- special page oh. that's blank that wow. then Mark drew on. So crazy. You can't you can't fake you can't it fake which is it. so great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you can't Such if you go cool to CGC and nobody gets to see it. So yeah. open it up. Share it with the world. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up on Marvel Live, which we didn't get a chance to, was the idea you know we have here at Marvel that every everything we do is everybody's first time with Marvel, right? It's their first uh comic book. So absolute card number one will be someone's first ever Marvel comic. Mm -hmm. Uh, This podcast will be someone's first ever time listening to you guys talk, hearing us converse. Whatever we do, TV show, movie, it's somebody's first time. How does that factor into what you guys do when you put it together, something like Absolute Carnage, something like Venom, that somebody's going to read this for the first time, or someone's going to come in to Absolute Carnage number three or four, and that's going to be their first issue?
3: Yeah. Uh, Don't do that. Read issue one. Yeah. You're gonna be super lost if you read <laughs> issue three or four. Here's the thing: is like I, you know, we 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 often say these things of like, well, every issue is someone's first issue, so you have to make it really accessible and stuff. And that is totally true. But what's cool about it is that is that you're never going to understand everything, right? If like if for instance, if Absolute Carnage number one is your first Marvel comic of your entire life, you might not know what Ravencroft is, or or really the extent of what Norman is or Carnage, right? Um, and so it's cool about that is that they're they're all this is how it was for me as a kid was they're all little trails You know, like as you read a book, you're like, wait, who's Norman Osborn? And now we have Mm -hmm. the Internet, which I didn't have as a kid, you know. And so you can just go and like, 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 who's Norman Osborn? Then you follow that trail and then you say, like, who is this guy? Then you follow that trail, you know, and especially an event like Absolute Carnage has so many characters in it because Mm -hmm. of the nature of the of the storyline where, you know, people don't know Cletus Cassidy is 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 hunting down and murdering every Marvel character who's ever worn a symbiote. So you're going to get introduced to so many characters. You know. Um but yeah, that's how it was for me. When I was a kid, I picked up a random issue of Spider Man, I think it was, and I had no idea who anyone was. That's how I found Venom, because I was reading it and there was this big scary dude with like a Venom symbol and teeth and stuff, and I was like, I must know everything about yeah. that guy, you know. For me it
0: was Infinity Gauntlet number six. I picked that no up way. off that and X Men number three off the spinner rack. I knew some comic stuff, but right. especially Infinity Gauntlet and number six is madness. Bananas. It is wild. Yeah, totally. Nebula has uh, the the Infinity Gauntlet Mm -hmm. and, like, what is happening? But that hooked me in. I think... I'm glad you you explained this the way you did because I love the hunt. I love the idea of, like, who is this yeah. character? That's something right.
3: that comics have that is so unique to to, to the art form, right? Is that um, that I that kind of like search and find uh, um, the not collector, but like kind of like you said, Scaven- it's, it's almost
0: it's, like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, for- it's
3: a very tactile experience. Comics, right? And yeah, there's just like a like. If you read everything, you'll never read everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're always making new. You'll never be able to read every single one of them, and it's just, like, it's this endless fun that you get to go and, like, uncover, you know? It's always going to be there, and it and it will outlive all of us, too. And so, like, that's something that Ryan and I talk about, how blessed we feel that, like, we get to kind of dip our feet in this endless ocean that spans way before we were born and will go well after we're gone. But we get to, like, kind of leave a little piece for someone to go, you know, some kid in the future is going to read Venom Issue 2000 and be like oh who's this and go back to our run and like find that you know it's always going to be there it's really cool it's real neat Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Brian's yeah. uh, so tired. <laughs> we're gonna wrap up, uh,
0: but I, I hear you guys have a fancy new podcast that is taken the nation by
3: storm. That's right. It's the number one Marvel-based podcast How available. <laughs> How dare you? Um, it's we're called. Gonna, we're gonna bleep. <laughs> I don't that? think we can
2: say it's Marvel-based with the things we say on it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Whoa. no-holds-barred bad boys of comics. Yeah. Um, there's swear words mm-hmm. um, and uh, and cool stuff. Um, like f- fireworks and switchblade knives um, switchblade. it's called Stagman and his amazing friends even though I'm a co-host I guess I'm we should I'm call the it the n- bad boys of comics I think so on. too right, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good um, I get a cut of that yeah, yeah and we just had um, we just had um, Joe Casada. yeah on uh, yeah. in the past we've had uh, uh, Scotty Young um, this up and coming uh, writer artist that don't
2: even want to people bring it up don't
3: like him at all.
2: We're trying to rehabilitate his image. We,
3: people, I know it's it's controversial to even say that we had him on because like most people hate him. Uh, Chip Chip Zadunsky Zadunsky Dumsky. yeah yeah Chup Chup Yes. Yeah. Uh we had him on um, so he's real bad. Um, in the future, can I say who we gonna are we gonna have him mm,
2: on? I don't know yet. Not gotta yet. see if they
3: okay. We have a lot of really big names that yeah. have a lot to do with things that you guys like,
2: right? There you go, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, Barack Obama. Yeah, and we do,
3: we do. Yeah, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> bernie Sanders. I've been trying um, for uh,
0: <laughs> President Obama for years. Oh, let's mm. get
3: him first, dude. Yeah, with the things that we say on there, it's never gonna. Yeah. happen. <laughs> I mean, if Marin can do it, we can do it. Um, we, uh, so what we like to do on, the, on our show is we do um, like page-by-page breakdowns. So we have a director's commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan explains what his thought process behind the art. I do the, the script. And there's, there's always cool little like Easter egg things people have done. And be, we'll be next week or so, we're going to be recording one for Absolute Carnage mm-hmm. number one. So uh, check that out. Stay Very cool. And his amazing friends.
0: Love it. I love you guys. Love Thanks. you I too. love you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for see you. Go go have dinner and, and break more story.
3: Thank okay. you. Are we allowed to leave now? Yeah, I guess. Oh, thank
0: God. Woo! Woo! All right. Big thanks once again to Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Absolute Carnage number four should be hitting uh, stands next week, I believe. I read it. I don't remember when, I, when comics I read happen. Um, It's real good. Well, when you read like
1: 20, 30 a week, it's hard to track every single day.
0: Indeed-a-rooney. But we got to keep on trucking this week because we've got our community colon section. First up is Lex Pendragon who says, hey, something you see Marvel doing in their books that I love is that they allow the creators a huge amount of space. In Champions number 10, Jim Zub was trying out some different stuff and it didn't sell and the book was canceled. Jim says that in his letter. Yeah, I, I loved the candor of jim's uh goodbye letter in that issue uh saying hey we swung didn't really hit but they got, also got 10 issues out of it champions are you know it was a cool book there are some really interesting plans for those characters that we'll see uh in the next couple months all right we have one here from karis pollard she says so the undisputed champion uh her this week of marvel of the week is strike force she says, I was always going to love this. Bucky, Billy, and Angela is an easy sell, but it's so darn good. It's funny. The characters feel alive. The threat is scary and real. And damn it, I need more. Yeah. Strikeforce t- is great.
1: Every time I think about it, Teenie loves Halloween. I feel like this is the essence of Halloween goodness. All right, Tony T. Bizzleworth says, NYCC is over, made my way over to the Marvel booth, met Ryan over there, got some cool things. The Daredevil number 12 was awesome, had a great time with my wife, looking forward to next year already. Well, next time say hi to me, I'd like to meet you. <laughs> I want to. I, I did
0: get to see uh, Tony very briefly. Uh, I meet so many people, so I apologize when it's like takes me a second to be like, who are you? Right, that's who you are, awesome. Awesome. Um, Honestly, that was like my favorite thing: meeting all of me our, our fans for whether it's this week of Marvel, Marvel's Pollist, uh, our Mightiest show, just in general. I gave out so much free stuff and made me
1: happy. Yeah, and also thank you for just telling us who you are because sometimes people are wearing wigs and we're like, "Um, how do I know you?" <laughs> yeah, um, and it doesn't mean we don't know you. It's just like hard to place people in context of the con
0: totally uh this one comes in from kelly elise she says hey lorraine i just heard on this week in marvel that you are a tabletop slash rpg gamer why haven't we been blessed with a marvel rpg podcast i have ideas
1: um i love a tabletop game i love a dnd i love an rpg we'll get to work right away
0: uh <laughs> just real honest i've been talking about doing this for two years lorraine you and i have been having this conversation ron richards is having this conversation we've had many many conversations about this there are many many uh things that need to happen for it all to work out but yes kelly hopefully this will happen at some point someday maybe
1: um but either way i'm just gonna be working on it on my on my spare time just uh me playing games by myself
0: (laughs) Uh last one, I think we talked about this, but we're going to say it one more time. My favorite version of Hulk is Savage Banner. This comes from RP67. He says, "Can't remember if this was a question or just a topic of discussion on the show, but there you go. Savage Banner." Yeah, we did talk about this because oh, yeah. I remember saying At uh the con. Yeah, uh the best version is um Pinstri- It yeah Joe fix it.
1: And I said it's Professor Hulk cuz he's a charmer. Yeah. And it, and he's got sick abs.
0: So many abs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, that's it from us. We're out of here. See you suckers later. Lorraine, I will miss you for the next two weeks. Oh, I'll miss you, Ryan, and I'll miss all of our friends at home. Um, But I'll bring you back some sushi. I'm sure it'll be fine after my 16-hour flight.
0: Can't wait. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.